This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game today from the great state of Texas. San Antonio, to be specific, we have Mr. Aaron Robertson. What's up, bud? Brother, living the dream. Appreciate you guys having me. I've listened to the podcast for pretty much every episode. I've got caught up, like I told you, and I'm honored to be here and uh, excited. Yeah, man. So uh, let's talk a little bit of shop. But before we do that, tell everybody who you are, how you got to where you're at. So... Contrary to uh, previous guests, like that story is not going to be told here. I, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't come off from an insurance background. Uh, I, you know, my dad didn't own an agency. Uh, I could barely spell the word insurance. But uh, so born in Baytown, Texas, uh, I was there until uh, I decided to go join the Marine Corps. My dad was a Marine. My uncle was a Marine. Went to the Marine Corps and did that. Uh, it was a lifelong dream to be a Marine. Uh, did two tours uh, in the Marine Corps. And then come out, uh, made my way to Texas Tech, where I got a biology degree and minored in chemistry and forensics. So naturally, I, I own an insurance agency. So that's how that works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking, I mean, you're telling me it's not a normal track. I don't hand get it. Hand in hand. Right, right. Yeah, everybody does that. So um, graduated Texas Tech, got offered a, a job um, doing uh, what I went to school for forensics in the uh, Harris County Medical Examiner's Office. And... Um, the pay wasn't what I wanted to be. I was actually selling cars uh, while I was in college, making pretty decent money for a quote unquote part-time car salesman and um, uh, just didn't work out. So I got into sales. I've listened to a lot of the podcasts previously, you guys, and the, the sales game with you guys are strong. Like the cold calling, the door-to-door, the B2B stuff, that is my wheelhouse. Um, we I did telecom sales. Uh, I know, Kyle, you've done some uh, telecom stuff, but... Uh, I did door-to-door with the company and uh, made my way back to Lubbock. I was drowning there financially, um, but uh, it was real, I was great at it. Just the cost to do business there was so high. Gas was $4 a gallon in Houston at that time. And I was uh, driving a Tahoe, 150 Ooh, miles a day. Yeah, yeah, that kind of put a dent in your pocket. So I made my way back to uh, Lubbock. Uh, had a family friend uh, or a, a, a part of the family that was actually in insurance with Aflac, and he was buying a car from his uh, 
for his son. And I sneaked a, a peek at what he was making for year for the year. And I said, there's no way in hell. This guy <laughs> is not as good as me. He's not going to work harder than me. And he definitely will not want it more than I do. So that's why I decided to get in the insurance business. Started with the health insurance side, with the AFLAC, became a manager, built a team for about 250000 up to about $1.3 million in about three years. Um, and then decided my customers want more from me than just AFLAC. I don't need to tell them they need general liability and work comp and things like that. I don't need to tell you know my neighbors and friends that they need homeowners insurance and auto insurance. They know they need it. So decided mm. to kind of so a bit of a sadist when it comes to that. I do health insurance. I do AFLAC. I do life insurance. I do uh, the PNC side, personal lines, commercial. So we're well diversified and um, just uh, I'm kind of trying to kind of build a niche for myself in that I'm the anti-USAA. Uh, we're the independent version of USAA here in San Antonio. Military City USA. Uh, very proud of San Antonio and uh, love working my veterans. There you go. That's awesome, I had a, man. Uh, kind of, V8 uh, Dodge Durango when gas was $4 a gallon, so I feel your pain, <laughs> I, man. Yeah, it was a true. nightmare, dude. <laughs> I got both of you guys beat. I was driving. Well, I shouldn't say I was. <clears throat> My wife was driving an Infiniti QX56. Yeah. I, mean, I think it got single digits. Oh, for, dude. It was crazy, man. And I was that's, so that's the same time I was doing door-to-door. Um, I'm, I'm curious uh, what was like the biggest thing that you learned from that experience of the door-to-door sales. All day long, that that the most valuable lesson I learned is, and it kind of ties into the, to David's uh, extra two minutes, mm-hmm. but one more call, right? Um, I did strip centers. Uh, we hit things that you know would not be even remotely something I would consider now. But with that, I was selling T1 circuits when T1s were cutting edge and Star Trek stuff, right? And now they have you know stuff like this way beyond, but. The most valuable lesson is is success comes in numbers. Uh, I can't make three calls and go, oh, well, okay, it's just not working. And I go turn around and give up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the 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 gold is in the is in the masses. You have to make more contacts. Um, I talked myself out of or talked myself into going into one more strip center. Yep. The very first account that I walked into is a dentist office. Just so happened to own. Uh, five locations and was the biggest account ever wrote. And funny how that works, huh? Had to convince myself to like, look, go to this one last strip center and then, then you can go home. Yep. I I, I finished and it was a goal. Yeah. There there were so many days where that was the case where it was just, you know, I I was just getting railroaded and and just smacked in the face with nose and nose and nose. And then you go in to, you know, one last, like you said, strip center or, you know, office park or whatever. And you just walk in on something that's either huge or they're just like, they, they, they've been waiting for you to come. And it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, uh, it's just funny how that works. I think you gotta- finally got here, man. You finally got here. Yeah. We've been waiting all day. How much where do I make you, the checkout for? Where what am have I you been, dude? Yeah. <laughs> I've been calling the home office and can't get a rep out here. Right. <laughs> That's yeah, it's cool. funny. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. You know, I actually am probably the opposite of the majority of business owners out there in that I'll give the people the time of day. Um, most of the time, because if they're any good, I'm going to consider talking <laughs> to them about coming to work with me. Yeah. But 
you know, it, I, you know, and Kyle's heard me, heard me before, man. If they come in and we, and they're weak, I tell them. I mean, I don't even make up excuses. I'm like, you know what? Your entry was weak, bro. You so, dude, come I did the same thing up at the, uh, up at the Lutz office, man. Somebody walked in selling office supplies. Well, um, WB Mason, they're all. That's exactly over who it was. And, and I, I was like, um, Oh, and, and and a quill person walked in there too, um, and so I was like, because that's what I used to sell, same you know, same company or whatever, and I, I let them pitch me, and I was just listening to it, and I'm, I'm I'm just you know, it was, it's been I don't know four or five years since then, but I still remember word for word the pitch and all that, and I'm just like, all right, here's a few pointers for you, and and so it was it was interesting. Um, Get a job in insurance, <laughs> pointer number one. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-mm. But I'll tell you what, man, the Aflac thing is interesting to me because that's kind of, uh, you know, and I mean, absolutely zero disrespect by the business. It's it's kind of a backwards way to get into the agency world. You know, most of the time people have an agency first doing the other things. And then the Aflac guy comes in and is like, hey, you really need to add this to the mix. You right. already having that actually I find to be intriguing. And I mean, I'm a big proponent of Aflac and all of the other short-term products like that because it's a huge benefit for companies to offer to their employees. But more importantly, it's got a directly correlatable effect on workers' comp loss ratios if you have that product in place. Mm -hmm. And I've got all the statistical data around it. So for us at the point of sale, that's one of the things that we do is... You know, we bring up you should have a, a voluntary program for your employees because statistics show that, you know, you're going to decrease your loss ratio by a significant percentage for you having that. And I don't think I don't think business owners think about that. Number one, the business isn't even paying for it in most of the cases. Right. right. Unless yeah. they've got like a cafeteria plan or something. And then, you know, they give their employees an opportunity to, to pick and choose how they spend that money. And that's one of the offerings. But, um, you know, when you sit down and explain to them that everybody's on the fence when they get hurt, you know, and I'm not even talking about at work, like right. somebody's moving their apartment over the weekend and pulls their back on Saturday, feels a little worse on Sunday. They have a decision. Do I want to limp around and wait till Monday and pretend like I was offloading a water heater from the back of a box truck? Or right. do I need to go to urgent care today? And if you have it available for them, chances are they're going to fall on the right side of the fence instead of filing yeah. a fraudulent comp claim. But the other right. thing is you're really doing your employee, your injured employee a service because they're going to get their money in like 24 hours. It's insane to me how quickly those claims are paid out. And Aflac makes no bones about it. You know, they're hap- that, that's what they hang their hat on is mm-hmm. we will pay the claim faster than anybody else. And boom, it's in their account. 100%. And I think, you know, and I now Aflac, because I know this side of it, Aflac is, uh, for me, has changed a little bit. Uh, products are second to none. I have nothing to say. Some of the management stuff just didn't fit my style so much. But I tell you what, I uh, personally think the CEO uh, of, of Aflac for his family creating this business, because where I came from, I mean, my, my trajectory in life was to go, okay, graduate high school, try not to get anyone pregnant go to work at a plant and wear fire retardant clothing for the rest of your life until mm-hmm. you get cancer around 62 and pass away. You know, that's kind of the, the, <laughs> the a, an oddly to. definitive plan. <laughs> right, right. That's what a lot of people that are in, escalated in very quickly. In Baytown, <laughs> Texas. I mean, Deer Park is right across the channel and there's, Tons of refineries. That's what you do when you you go to work at a refinery. And yeah, right. honestly, it's not altogether different than Parkersburg, yeah. West Virginia, where I graduated high school. Yeah, so you go across the river and work for Dupont. Yep, there we go. And you know, that, I'm sure that has challenges of its own. I just, 
Uh, Aflac showed me something more. Never in my life would I ever conceive that I would ever made six figures in my life. That put me on a course. I thought, you know, my clients want to work with me. And I realized pretty quickly that, that I am the commodity, not the product. The relationship I build my clients is what they're trying to buy. It's not the product. I can remove that product and go, product B is better. And they take it from me and I say it. They're like, okay, well, we're going to buy from Aaron because he said it. So, uh, and frankly, the ACA Obamacare thing that came out really um, created a lot of confusion in the market, in my opinion, on the consumer side, because they didn't know what they had to have, what they were financially obligated to have, what they could provide, what they could contribute, what it did. So it really made them lean on us as, as, as brokers and agents to say, bro, just make this easy for me. What do I have to do? What can I do? And how much is it going to cost me? Take this off my plate. Mm-hmm. So when I was started doing that for Aflac uh, and then health insurance, I was like, why am I leaving so much money on the table? It made no sense to me. So um, I just decided, hey, I'm going to make this thing um, about, about an agency grassroots community networks, uh, uh, marketing. We, we, we market here in the, um, in the community. We, we do a lot of uh, things for the community, a lot of veteran stuff. Uh, we're actually, uh, knocking off, uh, Mr. Paradiso and doing the flag day thing, there you, uh, go. Here in San Diego, you know, and it's brother, every time I talk about it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, I've got some veteran owned agents, uh, businesses coming on board that are going to jump in. Um, the, the cigars I sent you, uh, David, uh, warfighter tobacco is going to be there. Those guys are fantastic. Warfighter tobacco out of San Antonio, uh, great cigars, other companies like that to come in and, and make it, uh, something special. So I just learned that we can do multiple things at once and I don't need to, you know, as you said, do it backwards and try to convince someone they need a product when they're trying to buy this other stuff. We can still do Aflac and I can still supplemental and health insurance and I still do it, but I can take care of these other needs and solve problems that they know they have already. I'll tell you what I, what I really appreciate about the relationship we have with the Aflac people that we use in the agency is I don't lift a finger, man. I mean, they yeah. own the enrollment company. And so, you know, if we are doing anything with benefits, which I don't even, we don't do anything directly with benefits at this point. But if we were, I could have them handle all the benefits enrollment, all of the Aflac enrollment, whatever other products that they're selling. And they're educating these people in English and Spanish, if necessary. And literally, I show up with coffee and donuts to that meeting. And I'm just the mayor. I'm walking around shaking hands, kissing babies and doing it with a smile on my face because I understand I'm making money for the longer these people are sitting at these tables. And I think it's a place where P and, uh, you know, property and casualty agencies, by and large, probably don't pay attention to that as a revenue stream as much as they should. Because I honestly believe that if you're out and you're, you're dealing with workers' comp, you know, it's a natural conversation, man. So, you know, when I say you you sort of went went backwards, it wasn't necessarily from your agency growth. It's that I think that a lot of agencies ha- exist and don't have what you already had, but you built that part first, and then you sort of backed into the other things. And the beauty of it is, if you're really out at the point of sale, having the workers' comp conversation the way that you should be, you should always be talking about benefits. You should always be talking about voluntary, because if you don't have those two things, 
guess what? There's a high likelihood your mod's going to be higher, your loss ratios are going to be higher, and so ultimately you're going to be paying more premium. And if you have a couple of case studies where you have gone in and done that before, where you've put in the voluntary and you've looked at the benefits to see if they're offering adequate benefits and given them benchmarking reports, you know, that's a that's a big deal, man, because you can show them, yeah, it would cost you this much, but if you don't do it, it would also cost you this much. You're just not giving anything to your employees to improve morale and culture as part of that. And so, so um, we do we, we're really heavy on the financial modeling piece of that. Yeah, I, I was going to say the first time I heard you talk about that, it kind of really opened up. I had, I had never thought about that. I mean, I had known workers comp and I had known Aflac and, and all of the supplemental stuff to be, you know, a separate thing, but didn't really see how they correlated. I mean, I, maybe there's people out there listening to this that, that kind of don't really get that. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit on how they, how they relate and what you're talking about as far as, you know, you're likely to have more workers comp claims, have a higher mod if you don't have those things in place. Well, it's funny, and I'd be interested in Aaron's opinion on this um, because I think that, that it's fairly accurate. But I think that insurance agents view Aflac guys like everybody else views insurance agents, right? Meaning that, you know, you've got the Aflac guy in your BNI group. Nobody wants to talk to him because he's the one who's always looking for the referrals and, you know, this, that, and the other. And that's what everybody else thinks about the insurance guy that's in the BNI group, right? So it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic. We're fortunate in that the people that I've worked with have been top shelf. You know, the guy was a, an officer in the military before he retired. And so he runs that enrollment team with Bob Klinger type precision. And it's just, <laughs> you know, it's insane to see how they do it. But, um, you know, the other thing about Aflac that I really, really like, and, and, and it, it, again, I like things where I can bring somebody in that make me look better. Right. And so I think that if you get with the right one, um, the technology piece, right? So there was a piece of software that they had that if you had the right size of an account, it would search the employee list and you could also applicants to determine the tax credits you could get as a result of hiring one applicant over another one based on whether or not they had been in the military or um, several other factors. I don't want to speak out of turn on that, but it just blew my mind when I saw the case study, how many dollars companies saved on their um, taxes because of the credits they were getting um, as a result of of what this report showed. And it has nothing at all to do with voluntary benefits. It's 100% just a value add that they're giving that nobody else is giving. And I think that's probably why I was attracted to it so much. And, and what you're talking about is called work opportunity tax credits, right? So yep, work opportunity tax credits, or they call them WOTCs, which I refer to as when you when you tell a, a business owner they have WOTC credits available, and I spell out work opportunity tax credits, their head turns like a dog that's heard a weird sound. You know, like what, what the hell are you talking about? Mm. And I'm like, you hire someone to an empowerment zone uh, uh, who has a criminal record. We'll leave it at that, or a, a veteran, which I find those those things kind of. Why are we putting veterans in there, right? Being like, <laughs> but, like hey, easy. But no, those things mean I, I work with a company called iSolved. Uh, and they're a vendor of mine, and we worked well with those guys um, to to do that with our agency. And and I said, hey, not only can I can I do your health insurance, I can do your your supplemental insurance, your group life. I can actually bring in work opportunity tax credits to help you pay for all these things that you're going to now contribute to. So uh, just making things. The pitch that I have is is kind of like the elevator pitch is, hey, 
you know, if, if, if you have just about 10 minutes, if I could take a few things off your plate and make your life super simple from a business administration standpoint, could you could you entertain uh, me over a cup of coffee and see how I can help you if I can? If not, that's okay. We'll shake hands and part as friends. Something like that. It's a it's a little bit of a, an ask to say you know you have you know some time to spend. But if I say I could if I can help you, great. If not, then of course you know I may lean into the health insurance side of that. I may lean into the hey you know we just got a smoking hot rate on X Y Z. Insurance with this certain carrier, it's a, you're the same type of business. You know, can we have that conversation and then pivot to the other stuff? But I just thought that you know, with the Obamacare ACA, business owners, in my personal opinion, are looking for a simpler way of doing things. And what I found with the AFLAC thing was, is I developed relationships real, real well with these business owners and I wasn't just the annoying AFLAC guy that comes and bothers you when he bank account gets low. He's like, hey. Could you do you know anybody who does this? Do you know who does this? Does this this? And so I was kind of like you said, the mayor of, of the of insurance bill to, 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 to borrow that phrase. Um, they were asking me for stuff. and I'm like, why am I not doing this? You know, why am I not, you know, solving those problems for my clients? And and that's kind of what led to, to doing it. So I am very thankful for the AFLAC uh, knowledge that I got. I don't regret one day I spent with them. Uh, I just decided I had to kind of reinvent myself and my agency to solve more problems. I think the yeah, I think the thing you've got yeah. going for you is ex- right now is exactly why I got into the industry. Right, so when I sat down with the guy that or- originally recruited me to come into the insurance industry, he laid it out for me like this. He said every client has a hundred bucks to spend on insurance, and that hundred dollars is in five twenty dollar bills. When I open the agency and bring you in to produce, your job is to go in and get as many of those 20s as you can. And that resonated with me. I like that because if I didn't have the ability to deal with benefits or life or 401k or the other offerings that we had, I was limited to only getting 20 bucks out of the 100 and the other 80 was going somewhere else. And we've basically set up our agency right now the exact same way. We can literally do anything, even though we don't necessarily do it directly. So for employee benefits, we have a joint venture set up. I don't want to have to build out a back end for benefits. That's not what I do. I'm not interested in it. I understand it. I can sell it. I'm licensed for it. But I'd rather refer that to somebody else if I can. Right. I was going to say the thing that stood out to me from your your elevator pitch there was just the indifference. And I think that's what makes you a little bit... Um, you know, you know, come off not as that thirsty <laughs> Aflac agent or, you know, the, the guy in, in B&I that's always hunting and, and asking for the referrals. I think that part's key. Just kind of leaving it. Hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking to chat with you and see if we can, you know, find some common ground and help out. And if not, not a big deal. I'm going to be the first person to walk away and, and shake your hand and say, thank you for your time. I think people are more open to that approach, at least in my experience, um, th- than, you know, the other. You know, because everybody gets, everybody has the, you know, the no soliciting sign on their door and all that. And, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I, I mean, Kyle, when you did cold calling, did you walk in a door that said no soliciting? No, dude, uh, let me tell you, you haven't heard that podcast yet. I, I mean, it's been, a, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've shared it, but my all time favorite Kyle move is when they had the no soliciting sign on the door and he goes in and the lady says, uh, sir, did you see our no no soliciting sign? And he said, "Yeah, it's broken. That's why I brought you a new one." And yeah. hands her a no soliciting sign. Nice. Yeah. 
It's um, obviously not working, lady. That's why I'm in here. I need to give you a new no solicit. Yeah, or, or we, yeah, or, or a bigger one, right? You know, no, I yeah. didn't see it actually. We, we we sell them. Let me get you a bigger one so you can stop people from coming in here. But you know, it's, and 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 so at that point, like if 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 you don't laugh at that or whatever, you just like, I mean, yeah, I worst. don't want to talk to you anyhow. No, if I that's mean, not funny for you at that point, right? Yeah, we don't. It, you don't need to be my client. See ya. And, and I think you know, and, and how I run things a little differently is that 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 a comedy piece of that where people would walk in and someone would maybe say, Oh my God, do you not see that? No, so this time, can't you read or something like that or something worse? <laughs> maybe in Texas, you got to laugh at that. I had a similar situation happen to a, a lady, uh, to a, me and a buddy of mine, uh, I was working for that, uh, that, uh, T one company. And, um, my buddy's name was Johnny Mack. He was, a, he's from Ole Miss and good dude. And he walked in and this lady came with us guns blazing and just said something like that. And so we finished the strip center and he's like, man, she was kind of rude. I said, I said, but let's go back. He goes, are you crazy? I was like, no. I said, let's take take your tie off. Let's change our appearance a little bit. I said, let's go back to the exact same pitch, but do it for soliciting uh, donations for the March of Dimes. Hmm. She, her mind, she's like, I just told, I was like, we've never been here before in our life, man. What do you, we're, my name, I made a fake name and her mind was blown, but it was, she was like, you were in here with this company called, I was like, ma'am, I don't know what a T1 circuit is. I'm asking for donations, and if you could help us out. She was like, what? But to make it, you have to make that kind of fun because only sadists will get yeah. out of a car in, in, in Houston in 100-degree uh, heat and humidity and go in a suit and knock on 100 doors yep. in a day. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And enjoy that somehow. You've got to find ways to make that fun. And and I, I also bring that over to my agency now. We, we have more fun here. I mean – uh, we, we, we enjoy the hell of ourselves and it, life is too short, you know, uh, not to do that. So I, I borrow that from my former, my, my former, uh, uh, career and, and make, make it fun. So I have a blast. Speaking of your former career in the Marines, is there anything that you took from that experience that you apply today? Every, every damn thing. I mean, I'm I, sure. uh, yeah, I mean, the thing I, I try to explain this to other people who are either like, I've got some employees that we're, we're talking today that uh, what is it about the Marine Corps that's different? I said, I, I don't know that I can explain it. The Marines, you, you know, you know a guy's a Marine, like uh, Chris, Chris Paradiso's best friend is a Marine. And I've never met the guy in my life. He's, uh, he's an older gentleman. When I met him, we were, you know, we broke up. It was like an instant bond. Uh, I don't think you have that bond with other soldiers or Navy or Air Force or Coast Guard. Or you know those guys. I think the, the bond we have is so tight, and that inherent trust is there. Once I say, "Hey, I'm a Marine, and I know you know what you're going through. I know um, you know the challenges you had. I had them too. I didn't know where to go to look for the GI Bill. I didn't know how to apply for the Hazelwood Act. I didn't know how to get myself into college. But I think the persistency to keep going when I think this." day is the worst it's going to be today. I know tomorrow can't suck any worse. And so I have that in my brain to keep going and plugging and go, you know what? The, the motto is a little fat kid reference, but there's always French fries at the bottom of the bag. In McDonald's, when you reach in there and get all the French fries out, you think you got them all? You look in there, 
sure as hell, there's more French fries down there. Dude, that's the <laughs> best feeling in the world is knowing yeah. that you're you're driving, you're reaching, you're getting through the napkins and the ketchup packets, getting stabbed in the pinky with the plastic fork, and then there's that one fraction of a piece of a fry. Even though you've eaten the whole container, that's the one that tastes the best. And that and that, exactly right. And I, I, I attribute that to life. You know, uh, we've had uh, all of us had challenges in life and in business. You know, there's 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 certainly challenges that keep me uh, awake at night that that are you know monetary related or risk related or whatever. But you know, knowing if I had a bad day today, there's always French fries at the bottom of the bag. It's amazing how that works. That I come in the next day and. A guy that I've been chasing for three months is finally ready to sit down and have a conversation about all of his insurance or COVID happens. And uh, I furloughed some employees and then I sat here for a week and then my phone didn't quit ringing for five months. And I wrote uh, by myself with a backwards cap and some flip flops, probably half a million dollars of insurance by my damn self in the office. So things like that. There's always, there's always, always, always uh, a bright side. And I think just giving up um, and saying, ah, it's just too hard. I can't do it. That's, I don't know if you probably know this, but the Marine Corps tells you that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, they <don't> <laughs> give up, right? So, Thank God they do, man. I seriously. mean, some of the best people that I know have come out of the Marine Corps. And yeah. they didn't enter the Marine Corps as some of the best people I know. True. Yeah. I, you know, I was, uh, yeah, I had a had a nephew one time. He's like, hey, Uncle Aaron, uh, should I maybe go talk to the Marine Corps? I was like, you need none of that smoke. They will eat you alive. <laughs> and I know you will not come out of there in a better position you are now. But, no, I think, and I think it's one thing, what's one thing they say in Marine Corps graduation is, yes, we did make a fine, fine-tuned, you know, um, uh, uh, Marine and, and, and all that. But I had to have something that was moldable that to, to work with, to make him this, this Marine. So to the credit goes to the parents, you did a great job of raising uh, an outstanding human being. We just made him that much better by putting the title U S Marine on. Him. Very yeah. Cool. That's, I mean, I can't even, you know, I, I just can't even imagine like basic training or any of that stuff at this point. And I mean, for me, it wasn't really, I never was the person who had the desire to go into the military. You know, if, if I mm-hmm. would have been drafted, I definitely would have gone. But I think that you have to have your head in the right place when you make the conscious decision to go in. And the reason why I say that is this. I think that if you're not fully committed to it going in, you're going to quit or you're going to try mm-hmm. and quit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wonder how many people, you know, just think, hey, I, I'm going to go into the army when I get out of high school and you know, we'll, we'll see what happens after that. What's the real path to success there? But the people are like, you know what? This is what I've always wanted to do. I want to go in. Here's how I'm going to do it. And I mean, let's face it, man. If if you're if you go through ROTC programs and in the other things, and you actually or or even go to one of the academies, it's a whole different experience going through the military when you start as an officer than when you start as an enlisted person. And sure. so I, you know, I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with that. To be honest with you, it's just I'm interested. I'm always interested to talk to veterans and people that are actively serving. Um, number one, out of appreciation for the fact that they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but number two, just to just to hear the story because everybody that you talk to gets something different out of that experience. So. Whenever, whenever I I was raised by a Marine, I said my father was a Marine. He was uh, went to Vietnam, and so his era of Marine Corps is far different than what I experienced. I mean, uh, they were still 
putting putting you putting the fist on you then you know that's full metal I, jacket man well, that's that full metal jacket marine corps no, that was that he he had his uh, thumbnail bitten off by his drill instructor and spit on his uh t-shirt <laughs> uh yeah, you can't do that now. You can't do that now. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's but, ridiculous. Yeah. Number so, one, it's bad that it happened, but like, why was that the option? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, because he was told once to put his thumb along his hand, and he he let it come down again, and he he, he that muscle memory jogged his man. He'll never do that again. But uh, mm. so I learned that you know I, I didn't know what a marine was, but I I I can still in my mind's eye vision my dad's boot camp photo that was on his uh his uh his uh, drawers chest of drawers and, and it was uh i guess a dresser and i remember looking up at an angle so i was shorter than that so i was i would have to be three or four i remember asking my dad what a marine was and he tried to tell me what a marine was and i said i want to be a marine and i never let go of that and i still have that photo of my dad now i have mine next to his but um i kind of a funny story i actually called the recruiter hey you know i'm i'm going to the marine corps you know and i was talking to a, a, a recruiter and it was a woman and she says well yeah i'll give you a call back on thursday no problem so i waited for thursday to come around to a finally fulfill my lifelong dream of being becoming a marine and she didn't call me back hmm. and so i waited a couple more days and i called monday morning i was hot i was upset i was i was furious I called the recruiting office and some uh, uh, Marine Sergeant Sherman answered and he says, a Marine Sergeant Sherman. I said, I don't know what the hell's going on over there, but I talked to <laughs> and I don't care if you have to take me to Marine Corps boot camp or I'll fly myself to California. What we get, what are we, what are we doing here? And a hand on the Bible, that conversation happened. He goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who are you? What who did you talk to? He says, I'll be at your house in 10 minutes. And he damn sure showed up and picked me up. But again, you don't have those conversations typically saying, hey, I'm going to Marine Corps boot camp. How do yeah. you want to do this? I'm going or you're going to take me there. It's whatever. I'll find myself. But uh, <laughs> You listen here, I, Sergeant Sherman. <laughs> I was so enamored by hearing the stories of lore of Marine Corps drill instructors. The first time I saw one, um, I got in trouble because I was on a bulkhead, which is a wall. And we were in line waiting for something, God knows what. But I saw the drill instructor walk by me. And I did the ultimate error of looking at him as he passed by like that. <laughs> you don't ever look at a drill instructor, first off. You have a thousand-yard stare. You look through them or past them. Uh, but he stopped and asked me what the F I was staring at, if I wanted to come rub his feet in the duty hut, if I was gay, because I need to let him know now. I mean, but I was so, it was like, a, I finally saw a unicorn. I was like, oh my goodness, there's one. For 18 years, I've heard about these things called drill instructors, and there's one. Oh my gosh. I was just in awe and shock. Uh, that didn't end well, but uh, uh, I 100% I, uh, I have learned so much from the Marine Corps. I use it as a part of how I uh, lead my lead my, my team. Um, you know, lead, leaders always eat last. Uh, whatever I can do to make them more productive, I will do first. If it sacrifices for myself, I will do that. Uh, another another Marine that I learned a lot from, Daniel Sung. That guy, uh, I met him in uh, Paradiso Presents, a fantastic human being. Um, I'm still trying to get out to California, go see him and go see our old stomping grounds and Camp Pendleton. But, uh, uh, he's a good dude, man. I talked mm -hmm. to him yesterday, actually. Yeah. 
He's he's one of the best. Yeah, I, I I don't talk to him as much as I should, but when we when we talk, it's just like we never left off. And you know, he's just a phenomenal person, and his story is just unbelievable. But uh, yeah. yeah, I I uh, I I think so much uh, of him and uh, other other Marines and that are in business as well. I just I try to emulate as much as I can from those guys. So, what would you say the biggest challenge you faced having? Uh, opened your agency and as you've added all of the different lines of coverage and options that you have for clients at this point, what, what's the biggest challenge you faced getting to where you're at? The biggest challenge I think is, is, is knowing. So knowing what I needed to do and what I didn't need to do. So I was thinking about this, you know, what, how do I learn, right? What do I learn podcast? And that's why I, I wanted to thank you so much as I learn from podcast, uh, Scott and Bradley's podcast. I learn so much from them. Uh, that's like my Bible, other podcasts, your podcast. That is how I learn. I don't do well sitting in a classroom and have someone drone on about God knows what, you know, chunking the information and taking things that I can learn. I guess gleaning what's gold and what's tailings, if you will, is, is because we all get distracted by a shiny object in our agency and say, Hey, that looks cool. Let me go try that. But I think the the hardest thing I think is is learning things that I need to do now, things I need to do soon, and things I need to get done eventually, right? And and the eventually is probably profitable in ten years. The now is is profitable now, and I got to do that now to to create a, a good foundation for my agency to to be successful long term. So I think learning these things and and I didn't make a whole bunch of mistakes. Thank God. And, and only because I had resources to call. And I still tell people, anybody that calls my office and wants help, I owe them. Because people who've helped me and answer the call, Chris Paradiso, Mike Stromso called me and said, hey, we want to help you. What in the hell? So I am forever in, 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 in debt to whomever may call me and ask for help. I will do whatever I can to help those guys because... I've gotten help from so many people that I have no business really talking to. And for that, I, they, they give me the, 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 the nuggets of wisdom. I spent a week uh, with Chris Paradiso at his house and I was taking notes. I said, I need to let you know, I'm knocking everything you're doing off. I'm knocking this off. I'm just let you know. He's, no, he, and you I, know what? He's perfectly fine with that. Yeah. Now the challenge is if I can implement what I've, everything I've said I'm going to do, <laughs> Because I know what I need to do, but implementing all that, that's a whole other conversation. Different story, yeah. sure. Well, yeah, but. Well, you know, and the thing is, man, you, you know, what I appreciate about, appreciate about Chris is I've gotten to know him better and better. Number one, he's an open book. Um, and it's not just about all the good stuff. He's going to tell you what mistakes he's made, what things they're still trying to correct in an effort to keep you from doing the same thing or make sure you're not doing it. So, I mean, you know, the time that I got to spend with him and the group of guys I was with in Boston several weeks ago, it was just really refreshing to sit around and talk shop when we you're not on a podcast, right? Where you're not, um, you're, you don't have that filter of let's give everybody all the value and all the good that's going on. And you could just say, look, here's some place where I struggle. And, you know, we came out of that meeting with some really good things. And, you know, Kyle and I were even talking about this. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I got from being up there was that we don't do a good job, especially in personal lines, commercial and the type of commercial we write. This isn't as big a deal, but in personal lines, it's something that as we grow it, we need to do. 
And that is have an automation sequence and have follow-up procedures and expectations setting when somebody has a claim. Because many times, yeah. it's the first time some of these people have ever had a claim before, and they don't know how they should set that up. Um, they don't know what they should expect. You know, they they see everything on TV, or they see what happens in the lawyer commercials, or in the different television shows and things they watch. But just from the standpoint of, hey, this is a bad time for you. I get it, and I'm so sorry this has happened. But I want to reassure you that our firm is here to help be the interface between you and the insurance company. And I think it's important when you come up with that messaging, how you say that, because I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times people automatically assume we're tied in with the insurance company and, you know, anything that they tell the insurance company is automatically going to come back to us or, you know, they just think that we're going to take the carrier side on every single thing that happens in a claim. And I I think that if you set the expectations up front, even as much as letting people know, you're going to hear from an adjuster in 24 to 48 hours, but I want to let you know, I've already set a reminder for myself. I'm going to follow up with you in 72 hours to make sure that you've heard from that person. Now, if you haven't and you want to proactively reach out to me, you're welcome to do that at any time. And then just giving them that little, those little pieces of communication along the way is huge. And then guess what happens when you're done? That is the absolute best time to go get a positive review on Google. Who cares if, if you save money? Who cares if the person offered great customer service when nothing was really on the line? I want the Google reviews that say, I had the absolute worst thing that could happen to me. My house burnt down I, you know, and everything else. But all I can tell you through all of the negative that happened, the one thing that kept me solid was the communication from Florida Risk and all that they did to me or did for me to make sure that this thing was taken care of as expediently as it could and paid out in the, the amount that it should have been paid out. And that's what we're, that, I mean, that's it, man. And, and you've heard Scott talk about it before. Scott Howell talks about, you know, insurance agents are made when claims happen. That's the God's honest truth. And I think all of us probably, and I say all of us loosely, but I would say the overwhelming majority of agencies out there really don't do everything they could to set those client expectations correctly and then they get upset when they lose accounts or people get irritated with them. And I think that's the thing. I think we're so focused or at least I've found myself in this position being so focused on getting the deal done and across the line and talking about all the all the good things and claims always have such a negative connotation to it where you almost um even if it's subconsciously try to avoid talking about it because you know it's not a good situation for them and I, I think that's kind of what happens there and, and it needs to change I think it's all about the messaging that we that we give when we're in that position at the at the point of sale it's something that uh, I, I need to do thing, better for sure yeah I think the thing that has me has my filter clouded is the fact that you know I've got clients that have 500 employees do I, am I going to set something out send something out about a workers comp claim in a 500 employee company probably not and so again it goes back to me consciously having to reinvent how I look at the different segments of my business because it's a completely different process i mean you have you have a 500 employee company you're having workers comp claims i mean yeah. maybe not on a regular basis but you're going to have a couple of year you know unless you have a really good year and a little bit of luck but personal lines is whole, is, is completely different and the other thing is you know, a company's not worried about their livelihood with one comp claim. Somebody right. gets their car totaled. Maybe they can't qualify for a loan to replace it. Maybe they are upside down on their financing. I mean, there's just so many different pieces and parts to it 
that it's I walked their, away and from And it's that their meeting. personal property. It's, it, it means right. something, you know, obviously a business to a business owner is important and valued, but it's different than your house burning down or your car being totaled and not having, you know, it, it's just that it, there's an emotional attachment to it that's greater than that of what a business is, in my opinion. You know what? I just noticed something, man. I don't know if yours was intentional or not, but you're wearing the colors on your FRP hat, the red, white, and blue. And so maybe you prepared for Aaron today. Maybe you didn't. I did prepare for him. So let me show you what I got. Nice. Let's see. Nice. (laughs) I'm talking to a man from Texas. I've got the black cherry Nile Croc boots on today. (laughs) You got to wear boots when you're dealing with the Texans, man. That's it, baby. Yeah. The lesson with claims I learned is I always say this all the time is people want cheap insurance until a claim happens. Yeah. And I think the thing that drove that home is y'all probably heard about the big freeze we had here and the power. Oh yeah. Out. Yeah. We had yeah. You guys had, I mean, that was, that was nuts. Mm. It was. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, we had, we we're a lot out of power for four or five days, you know, and you know, we, we were inconvenienced. Right. And, and, but I said, you know, the one thing that I can do is just go ahead and check on somebody. So I went to my CRM and sent a mass email out and I tell you what, the response I got from that, the, we got in here, we came back to work today. I said, get on right now, and we're going to send this stuff out and check on these people. The response I got from that was like, oh, my God, no, I don't have a claim, but thank you so much for just checking on me. And that means yeah. I had views, and and so that absolutely put a stake in the ground for me that I had to, you know, granted, be, be a convenience agency and, and make things more simple to use, but I also – from a compassion and, and make it more personal. So that claim in, in uh, those claim situations we had are, are still ongoing, frankly, but you know, I think the more you can be there and be there for people, you know, when you take a rate increase or when you take a, you know, have a claim that didn't go the right way, I think those are a little more over easily overlooked when you do those things. Agreed. So you mentioned your CRM. I'm interested. What's that tech stack look like in your agency? Not good, frankly, to be completely <laughs> candid. It's not good. Uh, that is my weakness, frankly. I've had um, some struggles with that. Um, I, I, I have, I use now certs. Um, I'm, I'm trying to kind of have some Zapier connections to do some automation for me on that. Um, but uh, we use Rocket Referrals. Uh, we have a marketing company that kind of does some marketing for us that does some auto, automated dialing and some email stuff and some some text blasts for us from a marketing perspective. But uh, it's not as good as what I want it to be. It's probably as good as I need it to be right now. I'm, you know, there's always opportunity for me to learn, uh, which is why I listen to y'all's podcast. But uh, if you're looking for some nuggets, you're not going to probably get them from me with technology, unfortunately. <laughs> no, that, I mean, look, man, I think that's an honest answer and one that a lot of people struggle with, right? You know, and as frustrating sometimes as it can maybe be to not have certain pieces of technology. I'm also extremely certain that there are plenty of times where people who have too much technology also have those frustrations, or it might even be worse because then you spent a bunch of money on something, one piece of it breaks and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. You know, I don't, I I get frustrated with that, you know, all the time, you know, thankfully we're not down very often inside of our automations and stuff. But I mean, to give a great example, we use local traffic marketing. I use Chris and Jill from Advisor Evolved. At the beginning of the year, I decided, you know what, we're really going to put some emphasis on personal lines. As much as I hate it, the premiums in Florida, if you can get it placed right now, are worth my time at this point, right? Yeah. Um, 
and I don't mean that because I'm too good to write personal lines. I just am building my agency backwards too. I started with commercial and specifically middle market. Then we added in small commercial personal lines and these other things. And that's a different path than most people take. But, you know, I put some money behind it and, you know, we have HubSpot is who we use for our CRM and a lot of automations. We have sales service and marketing modules with them. And so I reached out to Chris and Nate at local traffic after like two or three weeks. And I'm like, we we had had some success and then it went away. I'm like, fellas, you know, something's, something's not right. You know, I'm not complaining because I get it. You know, when you do any kind of digital advertising, there's a ramp up period that has to happen. And I realized that it may just be ups and downs from that. But we had such good success of having a steady flow of leads coming in. And it's like something's broken. It, it, it's turned off. I don't get it. And I'm continuing to pay the ad revenue or the ad bills, but I'm not seeing, seeing the return. Can you, can you look? And what we found out was that there was something broken in the communication between the form they filled out and HubSpot. And when I logged in, we had 30 leads that nobody ever worked. And now I'm really pissed, right? Because I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Now we have to fall all over ourselves and beg these people for an opportunity um, you know, and just explain, look, I'm sorry, we're very technologically savvy, but unfortunately, a piece of our tech broke and we never got this communication until today. We realize you may have moved on somewhere and we certainly would understand that. But if you haven't, you know, we would love the opportunity to earn your trust in your and subsequently your business by showing you what this is supposed to work like. And that's embarrassing, man. But I also think that if you're if you're transparent with people, you're going to get a lot further along than otherwise. But I mean, again, it, it's frustrating because to me, 30, 30 leads is probably between five and 10 clients for us out of 30. Yeah. You know, that's a chunk of change down here. It absolutely is. I think I tell my people all the time, I said, we can, I, I will all day long lose on price. And, 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 and maybe, you know, we've actually had a couple of conversations recently, like, and I'm kind of proud that I can say this, like, I realize these people are not my clients. They're, they're currently in my book of business. They're not my clients. And I, it's not a relationship I want to have long term. So we're going to fire them. And a couple of them we have fired uh, just because it's going to become a problem real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, with some of the things they're wanting us to do. And we're not going to do those things. And so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I too have found that I will do all those things first and be okay with that. But losing a client due to time, we don't get around to it completely unacceptable and i will lose my mind 10 times out of 10 if that happens and um we actually had uh we had a uh a person leave our agency and um they were still sending messages that should have been forwarded to another person long story short uh i sent an email blast out and this guy's like yeah well i'm still waiting on the quote you sent me or supposed to send me two months ago i panicked and of course he'd already Mm. moved on like you said but yeah those things are inexcusable and Frankly, don't happen a lot, but uh, that's why we bite their thumbnails <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, you're going to remember me absolutely. But I do want to ask you to bring your. I want to bring your, Ask you to bring your staff in and ask them to hold their thumbs up so we can do a quick <laughs> yeah. check before we let you go. Yeah. Another thing I learned from Chris, I treat my people like gold. So every day at three o'clock, I do lattes and espressos for them, whatever they want. Uh, another paradisoism I learned, but uh, yeah, we you know people are like I have been told uh, three times in the span of twelve months. I never want to leave here. And that awesome. is what that she says. I'm, I don't ever want to find another job. I love what I do here. And it's, I think we just create such a culture here that look, we're going to have fun. 
but we're also going to sell the house of insurance. And if not, you know, that, that chair you're sitting in has a price tag on it. And if you're not fulfilling that price tag and doing things that are redeemable to the agency and, and treating my customers like gold or our customers like gold, you know, I, I will find a way uh, to either improve you or we need you to, as, as Mike Stromso says, return you to the marketplace, right? So <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's a nice way to put it. Oh, yeah. He, he, always, he always sugarcoats those things. It will return you to the marketplace. So um, we don't have a lot of that, but I think uh, I've made those mistakes in hiring out of desperation. And But the, the folks I've got now, um, one of the ladies that I just recently hired, uh, I started to work at a farmer's agency. I quickly learned that was a mistake. But the person who was supposed to be training me, I just, I just hired her uh, three weeks ago. So she's got 18 years plus experience on the commercial side. The other girl's got 23 years experience on the commercial side. So uh, I, uh, I I absolutely love what I do. But um, I do want to share a quick story. And I you know coming into the podcast, I keep thinking, what can I do to you know give some nuggets back to the listener? What can you glean from this? So I, oh, I think you've done plenty already, man. Well, and I'm interested in hearing your story. Yeah. I want to do one more just to these guys. It gave me the confidence. So Chris Paradiso came down for a conference, and um, it was a conference here in San Antonio. We had made plans to go and hang, have some have some fun and, and go see San Antonio. We did go have some lunch, but he had to get back for a speaking engagement. But I, um, I spent time with his father, uh, Joe Paradiso. If you've ever met uh, him, uh, they don't make him like that anymore. And um, his daughter, Mia, is one of the, the uh, twins he has, uh, Chris's twins. Uh, and so me, uh, his dad, and, and Mia, and uh, my two daughters, uh, Aubrey and Eva, um, went to go have um, a good time at Dave & Buster's. So on the way over there, I, I spent time with uh, Mr. Paradiso, and he asked me about business and, you know, he's an attorney. He's not an insurance by trade, but obviously through proximity, he's got a lot of exposure to the insurance side. But he said, well, he says, well, how's it going? I said, it's going good. And I was just trying to ramp up to the full agency side. And I said, I'm just scared to death. And he goes and he looks at me, he says, and this is the wisdom you get from a man of his age, says, what are you scared of? And I said, I'm scared that when I hire people, I can't fulfill their paycheck, the promise I made them, because I'm I'm venturing out so much. And he looked at me and he said, You're you're afraid of the wrong thing. He says, You're afraid of how high of a of a bridge you're jumping off of. What you need to be concerned with is how deep the water is when you jump. Hmm. And I go, I never thought of it that way. I'm worried about, he says, and frankly, if you're not afraid of what you're jumping off of as the risk, right, you're not taking a big enough risk. He says, but Aaron, what's the worst thing that can happen? He says, if it all goes to pot, he goes, what's the worst that can happen? And I go, I guess I just, I have to fire everybody. I feel horrible for a long time about that. And then I rebuild it. He goes, exactly. He goes, you got nothing to lose. Go do it. And I was like, that is gold. That is that gave me all the confidence. Yeah. And for that, I I we 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 talk, he and I personally, uh, a handful of times a year, and uh, that wisdom just pours out of that man. And uh, Joe Paradiso is is second to none. Chris comes by honestly, raised by fantastic folks, but uh, that wisdom. So if you're thinking of taking that risk out there to to grow your agency, build your agency to the to what you always dreamed it could be, just remember, you know, it's not what how high you're jumping off of 
it's what happens when you hit the water. How deep is that water? Is it six inches or is it 60 feet? You don't know. And most times, 10 times out of 10, usually that water is, is, is 60 feet, not the six inches. Well, I can tell you, I mean, that's a great way to wrap up the podcast. And for everybody that, that's listening to this, um, I've not had the pleasure of meeting uh, Joe Paradiso, but I, I do know Chris and I do know that, that Joe's fighting a battle with cancer right now and going through treatment and certainly um, could could use a lot of support through thoughts and prayers and everything. So um, I, I would just ask everybody that's listening right now, if you'll think about him for a little bit and, and just uh, maybe even drop Chris a line and let him know. I know he would appreciate that. So. Um, with that, I think we need to wrap up, man. Um, that, that's a great message. I think everybody can learn from that. Um, and Aaron, I just want to thank you, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for your service to our yep. country. Thank you for what you're doing to continually help veterans and veteran-owned businesses uh, with their insurance needs. You know, I think a lot of people look at that sometimes and they think, oh, well, that's just a marketing ploy. They're going to do, the, you know, people are doing that because that's the the thing is let's just go make it look like we care. And, and I know that's not the case with you. I know that's not the case with Chris. And, uh, you know, we just need a lot more guys like you out there because because I don't know that our country always does the best job when people get out of the military of um, getting them acclimated to what it's like to be in the business world. And I mean, there's guys out there like Rob Bowen, who's working with a nonprofit right now where I can, you know, I'm going through my closet this weekend and I'm going to probably, you know, truthfully, here's a fat boy joke. I got about 20 suits that don't fit me anymore from way back when, and they were custom made. I, they've been sitting collecting dust for 15 years at this point. I'm going to send them up to Rob so he can get them to these guys so they have a good suit to wear to a job interview. You know, you've got guys like Bob Klinger. My goodness. I mean, a Purple Heart recipient. He's running an agency. There are so many resources for people that um, that have that are coming out of the in, uh, military that maybe they're wanting to go into the industry. I just, I have so much respect for everybody who's doing what they can. And I know that I'm missing a ton and I don't mean to. Uh, it's just I've been really blessed to be surrounded by so many people that care about first responders and care about the military. This country's jacked right now and I'm not typically somebody who gets into political stuff because I just don't have the time to answer the email from people I probably wouldn't hang out with anyhow. So at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, we need to we need to focus on on what's going on that's right in the country and you got you got what's right, brother, and I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I say one thing, you know, reach out to veterans, veteran communities. If you're looking to hire someone that, that, that maybe doesn't have the experience, but has the dedication and the drive that you need them to be a producer in your agency and have that reach out to veterans. My goal is if I can help a transitioning uh, veteran service member get out of you know Camp Pendleton and come to San Antonio. And we have that bond. We stood in the yellow footprints and made a promise to each other that I've got your six today, tomorrow and otherwise that uh, if I can keep you employed, if I can keep you supported, and I can keep you you know, around people that love you and understand you, I've got a good chance of keeping a pistol out of your mouth. That's my goal. So reach out to veterans. Give them a shot. These guys are going to go to hell and back for you and for the cause, and uh, give these guys a shot. Uh, they certainly need your support right now. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you carving an hour out of your time to be with us today. And I'm looking forward to seeing you live in San Antonio and taking you out to your favorite steak place when I'm there. So I will not forget that I promised to do that. I do expect you to show up. Oh, I'll be at Bohannon's. I will all be there. Hey, San Antonio, Texas, if you're in San Antonio, go to Bohannon's. Go see Mo, the waiter. Mo, second to none. I, I, you won't regret that. 
Well, you tell Mo, big boy's coming, and he likes steak. <laughs> Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. All right, man. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com.